Welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast with Paul, Joe and myself, David. So we have reached Queen's eighth album, which is The Game. So we're actually halfway through the run just now. Thanks ever for your support um, and we're getting lots of feedback, reviews, people taking time to talk to us and it's mostly positive. Big, big thanks to, to everyone in supporting us. And as ever, and as usual, get us on at LapPods um, on Twitter and Facebook. Fantastic. We're going to talk about the game. So the album was released on the 30th of June 1980. And this was the first album, as many of you will know, to feature synthesizers on it. Queen were very proud of the fact, I guess, if you want to say that, that they didn't use synthesizers on their album. And it was an Oberheim OBX synthesizer they used on the album. The album itself was recorded in two sessions. One, the first session was in June and July 1979, and the second session was February to May 1980. So, recorded in two different sessions. And I think as we discuss the songs, that'll probably seem quite obvious um, when we actually break them down, because I think there's a few kind of a few kind of clues in, in the fact that it's two different sessions. So, there's a new producer in there uh, with Mac um, coming in who would stay with the band until 1985. The last song he did with the band was One Vision. Um, that was the last thing that featured Mac um, in production duties. And it was recorded in Musicland in Munich, which uh, off air I was talking to Paul about. And I didn't actually know it was Georgia Marauders Studio. So, thanks for that wee bit of info, Paul. The album was massive. It got to number one in both uh, the UK and the US and one of their biggest sellers, you know, along with the News of the World and The Night of the Opera. Massive selling album. The reviews, as usual, just that usual mix of dismissal and praise now and again for it. But overall, I think this album's quite big for Queen fans. It's, you know, it's it's obviously because of the success of some of the singles off it. Obviously, you've got two... Two number one US singles and Crazy Little Thing and uh, another one Bites the Dust. So to have two number one singles in America off the same album really elevated them into the big time, certainly in the States anyway, if they weren't there already. Right, I'm going to waste no more time. Joe, I'm going to come to you. Hello. So, the game. Are you playing it, mate? <laughs> that's, 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 that's that old, mate. I, I've got to... I, I'm going to shoot myself for even saying that. Do you like this album, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, not now, no. Uh, nah. uh, got to unplug now. <laughs> I'm just going to unplug. Uh, puns are getting brutal. Um, <laughs> oh, the game, the album, am I playing it? Several times, actually. <laughs> I love this album. This is, this is one of my favourite Queen albums. Again, I don't know why. I couldn't really pinpoint exactly, you know, why I, I love it so much. I mean, obviously I love the songs on it, so that's kind of a half silly thing to say, but um, yeah, just such a... It's, again, it's a, after jazz, where, you know, that we discussed, there was a lot of stuff on jazz that they could have left off it. You know, there was 30, 13 tracks, I believe, and, you know, you could have easily have diced four of them off of that and probably had a a more consistent record and I think the game they, they probably took heed of that um, because there's less tracks and it is the, the shortest Queen record out of all their catalogue it's, uh, I think it comes in at 35 minutes that's correct um, yeah, 35 yeah, minutes, uh, yeah. so it's the shortest Queen record um, and uh, you know and for that I think it's 
it's beneficial to the record because it kind of just boom, boom, boom. The songs just hit you, There's, and and they just they just get out of there quick, and they leave you with the impression that you want to go back and listen to it again. And that's how I feel about the game. It's it's a very it's an album I can just listen to all the time. Um, it gets right to the point. Um, yeah, I love it, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting a proper discussion with you guys about it. Uh, well, yeah, like you say, Joe, compared to jazz, uh, certainly in terms of production and, and songs, that this is, you know, a, a vast improvement, and, and certainly in, in my my eyes, anyway, ideas, I guess. Um, it's uh, yeah, 30, thirty-five minutes. There's no there's no fat whatsoever on this album. It's just mm-hmm. you know, it, it it does what it has to do and gets out of there. Um, it's just the whole, the, the the sound is you know clean and crisp. Even even the packaging, the cover, you know the the kind of silver brush, kind of silver thing, you know, and just everything about it, you know, suggests efficiency. And I, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but you know, um, no, that's interesting. No, that's yeah, interesting. you know, kind of interesting way of looking at it. Clean, something you know, clean, clean, clean. You know what I mean? Just like efficient. polished, I guess. The the only thing is. Um, the actual the photograph on the on the cover it was it was a review I read and I can't remember who the guy was but he says that the the cover's kind of misleading in a way because it's got the band and the leathers and all that so if you buy this you're expecting a kind of metal album I guess I mean this was the year that <laughs> you know British Steel came out Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath that kind of thing maybe you're looking for something a bit heavier but the album itself is is a kind of more pop oriented kind of thing. That was just an interesting wee observation from that guy. Sorry, I can't remember where I, where I saw that, but yeah. Just make I, up a name. Make yeah, up a name. Uh, what was Joe, he called? Joe. Rob Nesbitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this is a vast improvement in jazz, you know, and, and this is one of my favourite Queen albums as well. It's probably one of the least heavy albums. And, and Brian May said something about, you know, that it was an experiment to use less guitars on this album. But it. what guitars are, are there are, are used absolutely brilliantly. And Brian May's guitar tone in this is amazing. And I think Mac uh, had just changed the whole, you know, it's a, it's a brand new studio for, for the band. And I think Mac completely changed the way everything was mic'd and all that. You know, like the drums and the, the, the amps and all that. And, and you can certainly hear it. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking great album. And, it, and it's got great songs. And, you know, as I say, it doesn't mess about. It's, it's superb. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's got to be a bit of an echo chamber, maybe, this pod, because I don't think there's m- much um, I would disagree with what the gents have just said. It's one of my favourite Queen albums as well. Um, I, I, I kind of liken it to Sheer Heart Attack News of the World. In the sense that, yeah, yeah, they were both albums that something had happened before and they've changed it up slightly. Um, You know, the the Queen 2 being the almost, you know, I remember Rush talking about Hemispheres when after they made that, they were like, I really don't want to make an album like that again. That was exhausting. And they made Mm. uh, Permanent Waves after that, much more stripped down. And so that's kind of like your heart attack for them, probably. Mm. (laughs) Let's just kind of try and. And it's obviously quite a complex album as it is, you know, she had that, but you could see a change there, obviously, as we discussed in the pod. And then News of the World again after two 
yeah. you know, certainly in opera and, and day races. And I think this is the same. And then maybe the change is for a different reason, as Paul alluded to, with jazz being maybe a bit of a, I don't want to say creative failure because that's that's harsh because it's not it's it's not a bad album by any means, but I think they definitely recognised that a change was needed. So um so I think that's it's kind of similar to those two albums for that reason, but not sonically, they're sonically it's completely different. Um change up and sound, I think it's very simplified, as you said. It's pretty much pop structures for every song. Yeah. You know, verse, yeah. chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out, you know, yeah. for most of it. And and that's cool. That's fine. Um, I think they had to possibly go back to basics um, to to almost kind of try and find herself a wee bit again. <laughs> we'll discuss if that actually worked in our benefit. Like for the albums that came after that, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> certainly this moment in time, it seemed to be the right album at the right time for them, um, as I see it. Um, and I would agree. There isn't a song on this album that I wouldn't have on it. I think they all belong there, and they're all you know they've all got their place. I think the, the the band took a risk in some ways with this album. Um, the risk being that they actually moved towards a more commercial sound overall. They had commercial stuff on uh, their albums before that, but it doesn't suffer for it. It's not it's not a sellout album or any of, the, any of that kind of stuff. It's just that they've simplified it, and it has, as I said, got that kind of pop uh, sensibility to it, which is which again, there's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And we talked about the evolution of Freddie's voice as well, and I think you definitely hear. Majorly. This is maybe the absolute clincher for Freddie turning into that rock god voice. You know, we heard the heard, heard kind of elements of it in the, the previous two albums, but it probably really came came to the absolute pinnacle at this point, and um, that classic Freddie sound. So, um, yeah, one of my favourite albums in my top five uh, Queen albums, and looking forward to talking to talking about some of the tracks. The first track, why don't we start off with "Play the Game"? Joe, you want to talk to me about "Play the Game"? Uh, perfect opener for me. The swell or the synth, and then you know, boom, straight in. You know, open up your mind. It's always been there. You know, I've always loved the song. You know, it's great, great songwriting. Um, Granted, sort of technical elements of it. I suppose um, first thing I noticed when you know paying attention to this is um, we were talking about the production again in previous Queen records. This, this album, obviously, this being the first song, is pure John Deacon, like, I mean, the bass has never been louder in yep. any Queen record than it is on this record. Um, it's it's very noticeable um, right off the bat. This first song kicks in. Um, again, the, the vocals, they're stunning on it, do you know what I mean? And again, there's that, like David said, there is that absolute, right, this guy's voice has changed now. Beautifully sang as well, you know. It, it has a little bit of the, the kind of old school Queen theatrical vocal melodies, if you like, and also has that you know that big dun 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 dun, dun that very big kind of seven almost seven seventies era orchestrated sort of millionaires waltz sort of vibe kind of thing happening. Um, it's very dynamic. That's pretty much all I can say. But I, I just think it's a great song, and and uh, you know it sets the album up perfectly. I think. I think someone uh, read something and they were calling this a ballad. I thought like it's a ballad. You know, I was. Ah, a it's, a, uh, it's on that Queen Songs uh, website. Call it oh, a, was it in Queen Songs? I'll call it. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, it might piano, be for some. A, yeah. a piano ballad. Piano ballad. Aye. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, I, I don't think it's quite a ballad for me, but I, I get why. I get why it's kind of low key. It's kind of low key. key all that, say, aye, but until the heavy part, of course. Yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. Like, you know, as Joe mentioned, I love that part as well. You know, the, the bit with the guitar, the, the guitar and drum attack together. Yeah. Um, 
you know, really, really like it. I think they, there's a couple of things for me, and and it's in this album as well. We talked about this being the first album that uh, Queen used a synthesizer on, and you can kind of tell because yeah. like a lot of it's just sound effects going. Pssh, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. they're just hitting keys. It's going, that sounds cool. Put that on, <laughs> you know. Then they quite got together with the. Uh, they still had that demo mode. That's what it was. <laughs> I maybe I bossing over. Kind of a bit, kind of bit scared to go near it, so we're just like, yeah. Hey, that, just, <laughs> I, what you were saying, just like, uh, are we going to actually play a tune on this thing? Nah, fuck uh, that. Yeah, just, just hit the sound just, effect just a couple of keys, <laughs> and then maybe three or four songs in, you start to hear it developing. Because uh, <laughs> I think there's, there's only really one song on the whole album that there's an actual uh, like riff played on the synthesizer. Um, Probably right. Well, I'll tell you now, or will we come to it? I'll come to it. Leave me thinking, because it's nothing that comes right to to mind right away. Um, But I know that, so I found that kind of quite amusing, because it was like, they were like, all right, it's sitting there in the studio, we'll we'll have a wee play with it, and then, and I think when we come to talk about the next album, um, which of course is a soundtrack, but it's still a Queen album, I think you'll, You'll see see a noticeable difference, I think. But um, I know I thought that was quite quite amusing. But um, and then it's kind of like as Joe said, the synth starts the song as well. So it's like, you know, we've no use synths up to this point. We're just going to open the album with the synth. So you know, as if just to say, right, look, we're using synths, right? They, you know, and they're just gonna let's let's get out there. In a way, it's kind of weird. Sorry, let me interrupt. It's kind of weird because obviously uh, things like uh, get down, make love. That that sounds like synths. Ah, yes, Brian's guitar. uh, In a way, in a way, it was maybe. It was maybe Brian May in a lot of ways, um, kind of. This is my guitar. I'm making these noises with my guitar, not with a synth. Yeah, because you could just you could stick it through a flange effect or whatever. This guitar, and you can make those kind of sounds, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I say, I mean, you know, if there's guys out there that know more information about the recording around this album, because there's not a lot of information out no, there. That's what we're discussing. Um, but um, it could have been kind of that. You know, because it's Marauder Studio, the keyboard was there, and they thought, eh, oh, yeah, fuck this. I, do, you know? I, I actually read that. somewhere that it was uh, the Oberheim OBX was actually uh, Rogers. Roger had bought it. Ah, right. a fact. When you listen to Fun in Space, could, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, actually, Fun in Space was recorded he, the same year. Yeah, uh, and, he, and he brought it. He brought it into the studio. Ah, um, okay. And they obviously had to play about, and you know. Right, this. right. No, that 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 makes a lot because I was I was last listening to Fun in Space last week. Uh, yeah, in the week. Uh, I last yeah. Week. So I, um, I, I, I can't remember where I read that, but it, it said that it was actually Roger that, that it was his own his own synthesizer. Ah, that, that 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 does make a lot of sense. Actually, I haven't heard Fun in, you know when you listen back to Fun in Space and, and you realize yeah. how much synth work is on that actually. Good um, album. Yeah, great album. Really, really kind of. It's one of the albums, you know, you, you know, you've listened to a while and you're like, oh, this is a good album. And then you listen to it again and you go, wow, this is, this is probably better than good. Anyway, yeah, play the game, Paul. Anything to add? I play the sure. game. I've written here that the bass sounds absolutely massive. The synth swells before the solo is absolutely amazing as well. I don't, you know, just like it. I, I like the, the, the synth and then it just breaks into this um, lovely bluesy kind of solo for Brian. And it, as Joe alluded to, it's got elements of the Queen... In uh, bygone years as well, which is always a good thing to get back to. It's one of my favourite Queen singles. It's a, it's just a great song, very feel good and all that as well gets you. And you know the vid- the video, the vi- the vid- all the videos apart from 
another one bites the dust for this album. They're still performance videos, but there's a wee bit extra added on, you know, say means get the animation, you know, plays oh. all the things, get the dancers and all that, you know. And this one has got, you know, it's a performance video, but it's got this mad fire frame, or something backdrop like and, you know, Freddie's sweating. new tash. And he's sweating as well. He's sweating, <laughs> yeah. Is that the yeah. flames making him sweat or something? He, Is that what it's like? He's <laughs> pumping his fist and all that, you know, and uh, it's just, you know, it's just an, video. an insane video, you know. Um, and the do 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 bit, and he's, he jumps on to, you know, the bass drum, and then he jumps back off again. Probably it's reversed, isn't it? Is it reversed? Ah, yeah. Reversed. Ah, so they jump back. Ah, he just jumps on and they just. Don't so. If he probably tried it in real, in real time, and fucked himself up. <laughs> <laughs> tried to jump backwards. Um, I yeah. need to finish the video. I'm on Freddie coming to hospital. Cast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm full body cast. <laughs> and then put you know Freddie grabbing the shitty strat copy off of Brian, and you know then throwing it back to him, and then I'm doing a solo. Man, it's just fucking brilliant. That's what it's one of the greatest videos ever made. That's what I'm saying. You know. You can shove sledgehammer up your ass. Sledgehammer, fuck off, man. Play the game. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool fucking track, man, and, and a great way to start the album, as Joe says, man. Cool. Good opener. Um, familiar, familiar sound in many ways, as Joe said. Some of the kind of more old yeah, still cool. queen yeah. um, kind of yeah. heart in it, but definitely still get, get that kind of moving forward with the kind of pop sensibilities, I think, with it. Um, certainly in terms of production. Um, Paul, I'm going to come back to you. Um, talk to me about Sailor B's Sweet Sister. To the sister I never had. This is, uh, if you're a Queen fan, um, uh, you know, uh, and you say that you don't like this song, you're not, you're not a Queen fan. Because this is, this is one of the great Queen songs, as far as I'm concerned. Having, uh, you know, since we started doing these podcasts, I've found a, 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 an absolutely new appreciation for Brian May's songs that I'd never really had before. Don't get me wrong, I could leave, uh, you know, Fat Bottom Girls and... Dreamers Ball. Dreamers Ball and all that kind of stuff, but see, you know, uh, some of the more kind of deeper cuts and all that, they're, they're just great, and this is just a great song, and, you know, it's got... Brian's lyrics are always quite reflective, you know, and quite philosophical, philosophical and, uh, you know, that's all I've got to say, you know, <laughs> that's not, that, uh, musically, um, you know, it's it's quite low-key and all that, you know, it, it gets a bit faster near the end, but, you know, the, the, the great guitar solo and all that, you know, that this has inspired, you know, people, like, for instance, Axl Rose and all that, he, he did a version of it, not a very good version, but, you know, Still, um, no. great song. <laughs> um, I, I, I just let Joe also jump in. I, I've not got a lot to say about this song that Paul's not already said. To be fair, it's again, this is written in a very familiar, you know, style from Brian in terms of like the the sad sounding and mm-hmm. reflective sound and all that. You know, I've, I've kind of put it down in my notes here. It's kind of a bit of a respite for the kind of twee stuff that he normally does. This isn't a twee song. It's just, it's just, it's just kind of really somber, you know, like a somber bite. As you said, Paul, it gets, you know, it gets, gets a wee bit louder towards the end, and you know, the dynamics are good. And I really love the way, the way, the, the way when Freddie comes in and does his bit. That's really smart because I think, yeah, it, it maybe needed that. You know, I think if yeah. that with Fred yeah. wasn't in it, it'd still have been a really good track. But I think that really makes just it. Just it, yeah, just to break up the kind of 
yeah. I'm not not quite monotony, if you know what I mean, but yeah, exactly, it, because it's coming Brian's along songs, at a certain yeah. level. And, yeah. Brian's songs and this, and this, the ones he certainly sang on seem to be, um, you know, uh, going in a one, one dynamic, you know, most of the song. And I think this just breaks up and then the loudness at the end. So that's what I'm saying. It's almost like a break from the, the tra- traditional way he used to write these songs, the songs he sang on, which I yeah. think it makes it work even more. And uh, it, it was interesting um, in the, the Queen Songs website they were talking about who play guitar, uh, play piano on it. And Brian asked Fred to play piano yeah, on this because he wanted he wanted a rhythmical, a more rhythmical kind of piano this style on it, which I which I would I would just assumed that Brian would have played because he normally does play piano in most of his his compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. It was interesting. And uh, just the last thing I wanted to say about it was John's bass at the end. The wee bits he does is it's mm-hmm. fading out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. very simple. Nothing, nothing. You know, he's not breaking any new ground here or anything, but it's just really tasteful yep. playing and really, really, as Joe said, this this is, it's no surprise this is John Deacon's favourite Queen album. <laughs> this, this, nah. It's not a surprise in the slightest, you know, because it's, the John's all over this album, all over it. Yep. And uh, that's another example of where John just ex- excels. But overall, I really, really, it's it's a class track, really is. It's the only way Sweet Sister. And one of my favourites as a, as a kid and still one mm. of my favourites on the album, if you know what I mean, um, uh, to this day as well. So, aye, cool track, man. Joe, any, any thoughts on that, man? Uh, like you like you guys, I, I really love this song. It's a really, really good song. Uh, the, my favourite part of the song is actually the end part, where it's uh, John's bass and, and the high, just Roger's hi-hat. And it always almost feels to me that like, this song should be a longer song, and that's a middle section. It almost feels like it's, to me, every time I listen, it's mm-hmm. like it's going to kick back in again and go a different go somewhere else and I kind of almost wish it kind of did because that bit at the end so beautiful just, just really haunting as well it's, it's very sad sounding you can hear the waves cascading yeah um, it, to me I, 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 yeah it, it just seems like that song should should then go into another place yeah it's really interesting because I was just kind of playing it through what you're saying there Joe because I was playing it through in my, my head there and there is a bit where John's bass goes as if it's going to go doom 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 as if it's going to ramp up again and then it goes back down again so it's almost like it's almost like I know what you mean there it's almost like it's going to go again somewhere else and it's maybe going to be a lot it gives you the impression it could be a more first time listening to it you probably think that's maybe a more progressive song I love the song but I just always just gives me that impression that it feels like it should Go somewhere else. Longer. Yep, yep. But yeah, great song. Um, the bass playing's phenomenal. I mean, this guy. If there's a, if there's ever a best bass player in rock, then this guy should definitely be in be involved and yeah. in, in the pool somewhere. You know. But again, yeah. quiet guy, not a flashy flashy personality. So he probably probably wouldn't even get a look in, which is bloody shocking because the guy's the guy's shit hot man and a great songwriter. The name name. Name the, uh, another bass player in that band that's, that's primarily the bass player that has wrote some of the hits that that guy's wrote. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Great one, one, one thing that you, you reminded me of, Joe, when you were talking about the end of the song again, is the, the little piano bit. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Brilliant. Just that wee, that wee bit at the end. It's just, it's that kind of haunting, kind of yeah, ethereal, yeah. kind of ethereal yeah. kind of vibe going on. The waves, you can hear the waves. Ah, the way, that's yeah, what I mean. Uh, that's what I mean by yeah. it feels like it's going to, if, if you'd listened to that for the very first time, you'd probably be like, oh, where's this going, man? This is, this is mm-hmm. cool as fuck. You know, it's got this yeah. dynamic. Yeah. And, then it, and then it ends and you'd still be like, oh, that's, because obviously I love it anyway, but you would probably maybe be first time listening 
you'd probably be like, shit, man, I was expecting that to do something, but it kind of sets itself up like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. And that's it. So you've got She Makes Me on She Heart Attack, which has got the, the cop car sound effects, and then you've got the, mm-hmm. the ocean Rain. on this one. Yeah. Is there any other Queen songs that have got sound effects? I can't really to think this, of it. To this point. Certainly, I don't think there's any to this point, but maybe even after. Uh, the, the fun fair, I suppose, at the start of. Oh, aye, right. aye, Brian Rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of Brian May's best tracks. I I agree with you. Um, I, one of the things actually just talking about Brian May's tracks. I've it's interesting because we we talk about how we're kind of seeing Queen songs maybe slightly differently than before we started doing this this uh, podcast. And I think I'd, I'd certainly heard Joe talking about um, this was I think it was maybe in the first podcast actually talking about how Brian's songs are quite simple and. They're not very complex and all that. And in my mind's ear, I thought the opposite. I thought Brian actually wrote quite a lot of complex songs and complex arrangements. And it's actually having done this. You're right, Joey. It's, it's pretty aye. simple. Most of what he's, he writes uh, is pretty simple. And, and I never, I think, I think I probably just had like the prophet song in my head and just thinking mm-hmm. that because that's complex, of course. Um, it's the most complex it, thing he ever wrote. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's weird how 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 my, my opinions actually now. Aligned more with Joe now that I actually do think he actually. He's a, 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 a most kind of singer-songwriter kind of guy in the band. Uh, yeah. You know, you can imagine him being quite happy sitting with an acoustic, you know. Um, uh, his, songs could definitely, his, de- his songs could definitely be tran- could be played on an acoustic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they'd have probably still, still sounded like good kind of folk folk songs. Because Sailor Basically says that is, if I had been done on an acoustic guitar, it probably does have a kind of folky vibe to it. Yeah. Um, ah, subject, yeah, yeah. Subject, yeah, matter, yeah. subject matter included, you know, it's kind of get that, mm-hmm. that sort of mm-hmm. vibe. Excellent. Right, let's let's crack on. Uh, we've done a kind of a soft, a soft song, a delicate song, or whatever you want to call it. Let's go for, there's quite a lot of big hitters on this. Um, should we leave them for a wee bit? Aye. Do you know what? Let's go for, let's go for something a bit, Avant-garde for this album, if you want to call it, coming soon. What? So, Joe, talk to me about coming soon. I've wrote here, coming soon, catchy as fuck. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. I think I've been a single catchy. Jinx or single material? Well, need need your loving tonight it was a single in America and Canada. I think coming soon fits a bill better than need need your loving no, tonight. No, need your loving tonight. Get single written out of it, man. Yeah. That's coming, coming soon, soon but... Nah, but it's just so much. So it's rocking. Maybe, maybe, Joe, agree. maybe Joe. Anyway, we asked Joe, and now we're talking about it. So anyway, back to Aye. you, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> just catchy. Uh, just catchy as fuck. <laughs> I've just got here that, you know, as much as we were talking about the production sometimes being a little bit dry, the, the Tom sound in this is fucking phenomenal, man. It, Mm-hmm. And it boom, 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 boom. You know, it's, it's yeah, huge, yeah, yeah, massive. Another point I'd like to make is that I, I love the guitar solo. It's got a lot of attitude. It's, it's just like, yeah. You know what I mean, sometimes Brian May's solo don't don't have at like like an attitude to them. If you do, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, this is like kind of like, usually, yeah. You can almost kind of picture them usually like, quite melodic like, and that. Yeah. That's just kind of song in mind and all that. Whereas aye. this one, nah, it's just like, yeah, it's like letting it off, rip. Kind of, aye, it's like aye. letting it rip. So yeah. I think you could kind of yeah. picture them, you know, kind of leaning back with a lip, kind of curled up, kind of. There you yeah. go, um, rocking yeah. out. It seems a bit more jam based, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, it's a it's a basic song again. Freddie's vocals are are excellent. 
It's the number one single that never was, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's a fucking great song. Yeah, get you know, hook leading, fucking driving. It's fast. It's driving. You know, yep, I. Totally. Uh, you know, it's it's upbeat. It's you know, it's it's just an observation. I I I, I love need your loving too. You know as well, but um, I just think coming soon would have been better for the North American territories. Um, if you want to put it that way, like a, like you, a EMI a executive or uh, Electra or whatever. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can't add much to what Joe says. I, you know, I certainly picked up on the the solo. The solo is it's a wee bit uh, different for Brian, and I think his whole approach to this whole album, in terms of his playing, obviously using the Telecaster and the Boogie amplifier on crazy little thing and all that. You know, it, it was looking at it slightly differently um, on this album, and yeah. Uh, what can I say? A great wee song. I'm, I'm going to say this a lot in this album. Great, great song. Great song. Yeah. I know you need to get some new parter here, man. That's just I know. <laughs> a shit all the time, man. I know. I would say Brian's songs are melancholy, so I was trying to say it for silly reasons. That's why I just said sad because <laughs> I've got new vocabulary. <laughs> new words. New words. Grim. Uh, Somber. Songs are grim. Somber. I hook us up. Come on, the listeners here. Hook us up Somber. with some new words. Yeah, we're running out of words. <laughs> Dreech, a good Scottish word for it. Dreech. <laughs> Lads, going to hum the solo for me because I'm, 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 I'm not here. Well, it, well, it. Because I've got, I cool. So I coming soon. I, I, I really like the tight sound there, you know. And that's, um, I called the Queen songs. It was actually a drum loop. The ears that got that tight oh, sound. So that, you know, the, you know, the toms that Joe's talking about at the start. It's just a drum loop to keep that tight sound the whole song, which is cool. You know, I mean, I think that's and it's just that keeps that tight vibe. And I love the rhythmical guitar on it. You know, it's just I, 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 I never. I'm assuming again, it's Roger playing that. Um, I've made an assumption here, but I, I, it's Tell hard me. to find info. Hard to find info on this album, as, as we were saying, and who did what and. But I, I'm going to assume because Roger always did play rhythm guitar on on his track. So, but I, you know, I just love the vibe of it. And um, having listened to Fun in Space, it would have, have sat absolutely fine on Fun in Space coming coming soon. You can actually yep. hear it on that album as well. Totally. Um, I like Freddie's voice because it's kind of different. It's, yep. it's a different kind of territory for him. That, that kind of uh, I don't know how you describe. I'm not, I'm not a vocalist, so but it's. Uh, it's just different, you know, the way Freddie uses his voice in this song. I don't know if it's maybe because Roger made a demo of it or something he's trying to replicate what Roger was doing. I don't know, but he seems to take his voice in a different, wee different kind of direction on this song. He does, does a lot of that in this record. There's a lot of, um, yeah. there's a lot of uh, you know, shape-shifting his vocal cords. You know, uh, you know, he does that in previous albums as well, obviously, but it's quite a lot in this album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, aye, aye, cool song, man. Really like coming soon. Excellent. So, right, let's let's go for one of the hard hitters. So actually, just a uh, another one bites the dust. I'll I'll kind of start things off in my thoughts on this one. I I think another one bites the dust is a one of Queen's best singles. It's a it's a song where the production, as we kind of talked about earlier on, that really tight production just suits it so well. And I think um, I remember Brian talking about John taping down Rogers drums and his hats and. And he's to get a really dampened funk sound to his, to his kit, and Roger was just hating it, you know, because Roger wanted the big sound, and mm-hmm. he was trying to kind of almost kind of tighten up a wee bit. But, uh, but I think it really works, really, really. The drum sound—it's just I've always just <laughs> I've always found the drum sound in a song just seedy. It's just got a seedy sound <laughs> to it, you know. I just and it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 
Fred's voice is off the chain on this, you know, and and especially goes to the, the, those you know the really funky bits. The mm-hmm. you know he goes way 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 high up in his register. You know John's funk guitar, you know, because it's John that plays the funk guitar on this. It's not Brian, you know. That's you know that's John, you know, and and this plane's brilliant, you know. I'm not a funk guitarist. I don't know what's good and bad in terms of funk guitar. I just know it sounds fucking great. You know what I mean? It's just um, just keep it just simple bar chords. Just keep it tight. And that's that. That's yeah. it. You know, and, and you know. He's, he's you know his his right hand is 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 quite tasty. You know, so it's yeah. um it's aye it's it's I think it's just a it's it's a very sparse track. There's not probably a lot to talk about. You know, in terms of uh, actual instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Brian's is Paul alluded to. With this album and Brian's guitar playing, it's there's not a lot of guitar on this album, and this is one of the songs where there isn't a lot of guitar either. Um, certainly Brian's guitar, anyway. You know, just a wee, you know, every now and again and things like that. And uh, one thing I didn't know, which was I only found this out recently, was and it was a Queen Songs uh, website that helped us out with this one as well. The 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 sound that comes in. And, you know, it kind of fades in. It's, it's a piano. It's a piano key reverse which- backwards. It's, it's, again, it's nothing that exciting, but just it's just a cool wee fact, you know. It's suggested this is a drum loop as well on this song. I don't know if it's used all the way through or it was just for, for certain parts of the song, but Brian was saying that um, they used to try and do the backing tracks and do it five, six times on, and it would kind of maybe, um, you know, for him, maybe, maybe lose a bit of the vibe. But yeah. equally, I didn't really understand because he was saying that Mac, I, I didn't understand that Mac was just saying, but I can just punch you in from a minute and a half and then you can take it from I there. Yeah, they were not just do that because they don't. Uh, they did, they done it. Uh, they had no idea you could just punch in and punch out. Uh, you know, an overdub, really, overdub backing tracks, really, you know, to get them. Because them... it's like, uh, you know, when you hark back to, you know, the, the classic album thing, they're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody and. and He's got the Brian May's got the the backing track, the the bass and the drum, and it's yeah. just absolutely perfect. Wow. And you think yeah, yeah. you think about that? How many times did they fucking play that until it was absolutely perfect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. From from you know zero seconds to you know mm-hmm. you know they, so they played yeah, all yeah. that all the way through until yeah. they got it perfect. Whereas yeah. Max just like, no, I could just you know, <laughs> I can just a good bit, and we'll just <laughs> drop you in there, and you know. Mm-hmm. And, and this, was a, this was a huge revelation to the band because they didn't know you could do that. And you, you're thinking, eight albums, eight albums. What was, what was Mike Stone and Roy Thomas Baker doing? Because I suppose it's, it's. I mean, you could take what Brian said in two ways. You can you take it well. You know, if it takes five or six times, at least it's live and it's got a, it's got aye, a vibe to it. Aye, but yeah. of course, if you if you keep doing it, uh, but equally if you're if you're you know, just punch it in all the time and try to get everything perfect. That equally can work against you as well. So it's, it's a, a, it's a, a balance. balance. It's a balance. Totally, totally. So I can see, I can see kind of both arguments there, I suppose, on that one. But again, that's just, just a song. Uh, not got a, 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 an awful lot to talk about it. I mean, uh, the fact that, that, you know, that they didn't see it as a single was seems so bizarre to me because I think it's Screaming single. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Michael Jackson had said, you know, you need to put that out. You know that yeah. they actually thought, oh, all right, then we'll stick it out. You know, um, which is bizarre. I just, I just love, I just love the sound of it. I love Freddie's voice. It's just, you know, they did, they did a, the first funk song, and and did it perfectly. You know, and and I think they said that even at times that you know a lot of black radio stations in America were picking this song up and playing it. You know, because it was it was actually that convincing. They actually thought it was a black artist as well. You know, it was actually that convincing, which is probably the biggest compliment you could give it, 
you know, the fact that it was Absolutely. actually convincing to, to guys that were actually in that world, mm-hmm. you know. So, brilliant. Yeah, no, I really, really love the song, man. I think it's excellent. Absolutely, man. Again, you you covered pretty much everything I've got here. Again, another sport anthem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Queen, Queen are the, the kings of sport anthems, you know. Whether, whether it was intended or not, obviously. But um, a couple of other wee things I would maybe mention would be, you were talking about, about the, the drums being really dry, you know what I mean? To give it that kind of tight, tight, up-close kind of sound that they achieved really well. There's one thing about, see about the 1 minute 40 mark, and it goes into that really kind of weird experimental bit, almost like there's not actually a lot going on. It's like just like the drums bowl. And there's like swells of what well, I believe is synthesizers and sound of guitar and all that and yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. What that was actually was worth mentioning is quite a, it's quite an interesting part of the song because it's it's a good maybe maybe just shy of a minute. There's not really much happening. It's weird, uh, you know, especially for such like for a single. You know, you normally people when they release a single they try and condense as much into into a single as they can. You know, but it's almost like. Queen, obviously, you were saying before, David, that they obviously didn't see this as as a single. You know, they're probably treating it more like an album track and left that space. Like you kind of would, yeah, to, yeah, as an experimental an thing. Ah, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you know, for such a, a massive hit, you know, and obviously being the biggest hit in America, it has this big bit in the middle where pretty much nothing happens. Nothing's happening. <laughs> but, but, but I don't, but again, I don't think that's a bad thing. It doesn't fuck the song up or anything. Yeah. It's, still a, it's still an awesome song and I like it being there because it kind of, it gives the song, I don't know, it gives it, again, that's some sort of, more than a single would be. I suppose it's a bit like Bohemian Rhapsody in terms of, there's nothing they ever did that sounded anything like it again, kind of thing, you know, which makes it kind of unique, you know. And and just picking up what David said at the start about, you know, just the overall vibe of it is, is quite sleazy. It's like, you know, and I suppose that the lyrics are, you know, you know, from, you know, guys shooting each other and all that, you know, it's like a Wild West thing or whatever it's supposed to be. I did say um, that, didn't he, John? He said, I originally yeah. that about Cowboys, and I was like, oh, no, that's... that's <laughs> you could have changed that a wee bit. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fucking classic Queen, Queen song, you know, what can we say? It's um, like We Will Rock You, it, it just sounds like it's always been there. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I think we were all brought up basically on Queen's greatest hits, so this would be roughly the yeah. second Queen song that we ever fell in love with. Really. Absolutely, aye. Rap, you know. So it, you know, it, it's it, in more ways than one. One is it's in our DNA more than mm-hmm. you know, a lot of Queen songs. Yeah, is as it's been said many times before, it is very similar to the Chic song. You know, Good Times. Because yeah. the good good yeah, times do 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 so it's very it's got that that vibe to it. Probably been inspired by it, you know. Because I think they were both same year, were they? Because seventy nine was seventy nine was a chic, I think. Aye, so you know, roughly roughly the same time anyway. So, but two two. I know it's a great tune, but they're two different songs. But um, but I think we can't move on without um giving praise to Weird Al. And has nah. another, one ride, another one rides a bus. That's, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> another, another one gets on, and another one gets on. <laughs> <laughs> another one rides a bus. Like, Brilliant. Aye. Loving we are here now. 
Brilliant. Fucking like a subject, man. You can you can shoot do that with your Dow podcast. Amish paradise. The guys never done a shite a shite one, man. They're all great. Right, let's go, Paul. Let's let's go over to you. Let's talk about Dragon Attack. Oh, Dragon Attack. Uh I, I guess and I know on a not very heavy album. Um this is probably the heaviest track on it. Um right. certainly the most the, the most guitar centric track, I would say. Uh does does Brian May invent funk metal here? Because this this swings, this is uh Well Faith No More on the phone, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it, it's like all the tracks in the album, it's very tight, but it's got this absolutely huge groove on it. You could actually dance to this song. And Brian, by no manner of means, is a disco guy, you know. Um, obviously, Roger had a go in the previous album with Fun It. And it's it's, it's fucking a, a, a great Queen song. It's like Sailor Wee Sweet Sister, if you don't like Dragon Attack... <laughs> Nah, what, what, what are you doing? What, you know, fuck off, basically. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing song. The guitar tone is fucking monumental. Um, I, I, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know what Brian was doing or what. My, I don't know who to give the credit to, but Brian's guitar on this album just it, it's, He's not playing any different, really. Um, to you know, he's still got the same style. He's still, you know, and most of your tone comes from your fingers. But just, I don't, I don't know. It's as if he's been freed somehow. For, you know, there's a really abrasive bit in it. You know, the jerk, 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 an abrasive yeah. sound. He's got that that yeah. bit. So, so definitely some cool, cool stuff going on guitar tone wise. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's. And the solo is is incredible as well. Um, you know, I it's brilliant. What do you guys think? I, I again, we always say this. Eh? <laughs> no, Dragon Attack, man. I love this song. It's just get loads and loads of attitude, man. It's pure swagger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's a it's a tough, it's a fucking tough song. You know that just like that, just you get the shoulders going when you're walking and shit. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> Just get that. It's just get balls, man. There's no other way to put it. It's just get pure balls, um, and also like uh, Freddie's vocal delivery. It's a, it's a very African American kind of vocal delivery. Like again, what we're talking about shifting his, his vocal styles. Obviously, he does a bit of that, and another one bites the dust. That obviously why people thought you know they were, they were obviously um, a black artist, a black artist. Um, but again, very um, you know. It's very akin to that vocal style, you know. So I could imagine somebody if they'd heard another one, but and maybe heard this song, they probably still it would reinforce the whole. This is a black. This is a black artist or black artists. Um, amazing, amazing vocals, man. The bass solo and it's amazing. And 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 the the, the little drum break that. Uh... It's almost like everybody gets a wee solo in that song. Yeah, yeah. It's like everybody gets a wee bit just to kind of shine. But you know, that you've got those little bits that you know, you know, a bass solo, a a drum solo. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the the song. The groove still going on. it's just got a fucking you know tight groove, huge tight groove, man. That's another thing I've got here is the. 
the rhythm section, man, Roger Taylor and John. De- I mean, I, I knew that I knew you know as individuals they were great players, of obviously, right? But man, listening to these records again, and I've just found that absolute new love for the rhythm section in this band. Like, yeah. not that I knew, I knew they were always great and all that, you know, but they were so good. And, and this song, man, it's so tight in the, in the pocket. And uh, like you said, although there is those little breaks and almost like little mini solos, it doesn't it doesn't fuck with the song in any way, shape. It's no. that, that, that kind of swagger in that groove. I think the guitar tone's amazing. Uh, great lead work again, Brian's not got a lot this, this song's probably got the most guitar on it of any any song on the yeah. album but yeah it's just uh, it's just getting balls this song man ah yeah, yeah. I, sorry Paul no man I, I was just going to say I, I was just thinking I was thinking about the solo again it's, it's the it's the the screaming, yep, the yep. screaming fucking solo, you know. It's a lot uh, of attitude in these guitars. Brian's guitars, you know, has been screaming for the last fucking eight, seven albums or whatever, but I, I don't know, man. It just, on this album, that you know, when he hits those notes, man. Aye, they pierce your ears. Yeah, uh, fucking, it's like ice pick sharpness, Aye. fucking, you it's know. Like it, it's like we were saying earlier as well, like, the solos in a lot of the other records are quite melodic, whereas I feel the solos in, on this album are a lot, a lot more aggressive in a kind of way. They're a lot more jammy. Yeah. They're a lot more attitude. That's the word, Aye. I think. Uh, all the songs a lot more attitude. And then maybe, maybe he's brought that into it because there is a lot. I mean, uh, riffing, I mean uh, I, yeah, I think the guy's up at the 24th fret in this, you know, solo. You know, he, he's Aye, right, up, he's right up, up in the dusty end of the... He, he, uh, it's fucking screaming, man. It's... Uh, yep. I've not really got much more to add. I think the, the fact that Brian... The Brian um, Gave up so much space to John Deacon on that song is, aye, that's is brilliant. Yeah. He served the song again, aye. as we always said, he always aye. does. It's he, not, I'm the guitarist, so I'm going to play in every second of this yeah. song. There aye. are some musicians that I'm a big fan of, um, Steve Harris being one of them. And Steve Harris would choose to play in every single part of the song. I actually put that down in a, in a forum years ago. You know, he t- and the people like, well, of course he would. Why wouldn't you know? You don't, you don't get it. You uh, actually, you're so stupid. You don't actually get what yeah, I'm, the yeah. point I'm making here. Yeah. You know, so uh, you've got to know when to come out. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and 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 that's what Brian does. He just he gives up the space to to John, and uh, I think that's you've got to applaud him for that. And then, then as Joe said, giving him a, a bass solo on it as well. You know, and uh, yeah, and so that's that's the main point. Um, and yeah, that's I, th- I think you guys have covered it. To be honest, um, I think that's all I'm going to say. Dragon Attack, yeah, one of the best best tunes in the album for me. Absolutely. Indeed. Joe talks about the the kind of swagger of the song. You can see that on stage, see even the way Freddie moves on stage when he starts yeah. singing that song. It's like he just, just he just feels everything. Every, he's feeling that yeah. song, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and and I think in the many ways we talked about the, the you know the the funk thing. Paul, you're saying a funky song is it's kind of whether it's a funk song, don't know, but it's definitely funky. Yeah. And uh, you know, you could almost it's so bizarre when we go to talk about hot space and what hot space was, and we go to talk about that. It's almost like they they kind of almost done it on this album, and yeah. I didn't see the need to really. Yep. I <laughs> again. because yep. yeah. because and they didn't do it successfully as well. So anyway, but Fact, that's my. So we're halfway through the album already. So that's five tracks down, five to go. I'm going to start us off with this one. Um, so don't try suicide. So don't try suicide. As <laughs> do you think that song would be written in 2020? Nope. Possibly not. 
possibly not. Um, I think it was it was written at a time where I'm not going to talk about the music. Let's talk about the lyrical content before we go any any further. I think it was written at a time where suicide was considered the coward's way out and all this kind of stuff. And I think that was the kind of everyone thought that for so many years, even after this point. People so I think it was written that. You know, the easy way out, and those Freddy says you think it's the easy way out, think you're going to slash your wrist this time, and all that. There's a lot of really, really graphic lyrics in this, you know what I mean? But, um, so I think, you know, I think you'd forgive Freddy's trespasses on this one a little bit because it was at a time where, you know, I think, you know, mental health was just, if, if you had a mental health problem, you are in the, you know, quotations, loony bin and all this kind of stuff. So it wasn't really considered something that was serious and actually not a proper illness. So, you know, I think, you know, there's a bit of ignorance there, but I'm not laying all that Freddy's though. I think it's just, it was yeah. just, unfortunately, the way things were in 1980. It's not Freddy's fault. It's not Queen's fault. I think it was just, the lyrics are actually, I still find the lyrics are actually quite amusing. And, <laughs> and you know, and, and they are funny. You know, yeah. you, you, they are, they are they amusing. Are. They are funny, um, although I, I will say, as an actual mental health professional uh, myself, I suppose you're the only person qualified to know. When, when, when dealing when dealing with someone who you know is thinking about taking their own life, for fuck's sake, don't call them a prick teaser, and don't say that they're get they're getting on your tits. Okay, that's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> no, no. And, that, and in what way? In what ways is somebody who's potentially going to be a, commit suicide? Um, Teasing your prick as well, which is a fucking weird thing to say, man. Aye, aye. But, but it's David. Sheet. Sheet. I think it was just a cool line that he thought. Aye. I'm just going to. I'm just going to. I might shoot on prick teaser into your socks. Aye. Aye, they're fucking completely wrong, so I'll get down, man. I know, I totally, man. Freddie probably heard it the day before or the night before in that fucking disco in Munich. Like, uh, somebody called him a prick teaser or something. He's like, that minted. He wrote it on his I'll put that in a song. Um, maybe, maybe it was uh, somebody that he knew for one of the, the uh, you know, the bars or something that was going to commit suicide. And he was like, "Don't be a fucking dick." Which is a wrong thing to say to somebody that's going to commit suicide. Of course, he, <laughs> he does it. He does it a bit more uh, sensitively and keep passing the open windows on the works. Ah, yeah, it's almost like keep passing open windows was the crap. I'm sorry, Redemption. I, I, I understand now. <laughs> you know Aye. what? What? How serious this is as a subject? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of there's lyrics in the song. You need help. You know, you need. So there's a bit I can almost like. Yeah. I want to help you as well, but I'm still going to sing all these really harsh things about somebody who wants to commit suicide as well at the same time. You've it's tongue cheek, man. It's tongue cheek. Freddie was never coming with any solid, you know, don't do this, don't uh, do this, don't do that messages. It wasn't, it wasn't like that anyway, man. So, aye. It's, it's but no, but you've got tongue to... cheek. But I get it. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And, uh, you know, if you showed the lyrics to someone these days, they'd be like, that's fucking terrible you know you yeah. can't write that you know and yeah. and and as you said david you wouldn't you wouldn't get away with lyrics like that these days you know oh well, well i mean you can certainly write them but you know um, i think it's about how you framed them you know if you were framing it and from as a person that was unsympathetic i'm writing it for the point of view of somebody that's not got a clue oh, about yeah. mental health yeah you know when you yeah. framed it around that you get away with it but not just <laughs> just blatantly gone <laughs> but but I like the song I do like the yeah. song and, song's and cool Garth, man uh-huh. you know, I, I like the song a lot and, and I think it's um, again another kind of John you know the bass takes prominence you know and, and mm-hmm. you know uh, John's a uh, cool wee bass, bass riff there's a lot of you know there's two tracks we're going to talk about that we haven't talked about yet but there's a lot of rockabilly on this album 
um, yeah, on this absolutely. sound, you know, and and and, that, and obviously the bit when it breaks out with into Brian Solo, that's just total total rockabilly and mm-hmm. you know uh, boogie woogie okay. t- t- yeah. sort of stuff, you know. So, and that's obviously Freddie. You know, Freddie was in a band and when he was at boarding school in India, he was in that kind of a, a rock and roll band, you know, at the time, late fifties, early sixties, and all that, and they played piano and all that, and that style. So it's like coming back to that a wee bit. I mean, I'm, like I say, I'm not going to pass too much judgment, you know, sitting in 2020 looking at a song that was written 40 years ago, um, because I think it was, it is, you know, it, it was written in a certain style. But again, even as I'm saying that, I'm fighting against the fact that I just find the lyrics really funny. And, you know, well, that's they, the truth they, I, don't, I don't think, think Freddie, like, again, I... I, I don't, I, no, Freddie was to be, nasty, be uh, to be nasty, no, no. See, and, maybe naive, and I, and naive, I think, maybe, but... Yeah, no. I think... You know, the ignorance of the lyrics yeah. would, wouldn't have been obvious to most people at that point in, in 1980, you know, so. Would you give Fat Bottom Girls a pass if Freddie had wrote it? Probably. <laughs> no, because it's no, so objectivised. You objectify anybody. Well. It doesn't matter if, if it's if it's Aye, your preference probably. sexually or not. No, it's just that... It's, it's, no, it's just you objectify somebody, you're wrong. You know? Just thinking about... Because we're, we're giving... Because I am as well, I'm giving Freddie a pass in this song. I'm written, just thinking... I, I think they're written... I'm just thinking, fuck it over, you know. And nah. I, 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 witty thing comes into what David was saying. This is kind of witty. I, whereas I agree. Fat Bottom Girls agree, isn't man. witty. It's just crass. Fat Bottom Girls are just shite and crass. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's. I mean, I just we're talking about this, and I think it's worthwhile mentioning because, look, man, if there is, all three of us have, you know, just I hope I'm not speaking out of turn if I'm all headed out, but we've all had mental health issues in varying degrees, you know, all three of us. So when this isn't, it's not a, it's not a funny subject, um, no, but at the same at time, at the same time, you know, I, I, I can, I don't want to pass too much judgment on this song because I don't think it was written. With no, a sinister angle, I don't think it was. I don't think there was any intention other than yeah. take, taking something that's really horrible and try to make it funny and try, well, try mean, to turn it, you know, make it make it something light, light well, on it. Well, I think, like, I'll speak for myself here, like, without getting into too much detail. You know, like, I can actually speak about this song as someone that, that had been. I'm just going to say it. I've been to that place, so, um, and you know, when I when I just turned into my thirties about eleven years ago, I was in that place. And so, I mean, I can't speak for that. And, uh, the, you know, that, listening to that song, I wouldn't have took offence at it. Yeah, yeah. As we would always say, you know, and I think it's it's always worth mentioning, especially in this day and age, man. You know, if there is anyone listening who is struggling right now and just find somebody, man, like pick speak up the somebody. phone, speak to somebody, man, it doesn't matter who it is, yeah. you know. And, Definitely. you know, I know some people, the easiest thing to say is speak to a friend. Some people don't have friends. Speak to, you know, people some people, there's people all over the place, yeah. you know, and they're, they're waiting, waiting to help out. So I would, I would just mention that. I, you know, I don't want to turn this podcast into something that's not intended to be, but I think it's, since we're talking about that subject, I think it seems responsible just to sort of say no, that, definitely. you know. And it's, so, an epi- yeah. it's an epidemic. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's the biggest, it's, biggest killer of young men. Yeah. There is. So, suicide. I don't feel completely comfortable that I'm giving it a pass, but I think it. I, aye, I, I th- you know what I mean? It's kind of. But I think I'm it, does. it on, I'm judging it on the melody in the song, man. That's aye, what I'm judging yeah, it on, man. Yeah. I'm not looking too deeply into it. It's not like it's so, a, a Dylan song where digesting, you know, the message. It's. I think the message is secondary to the to the just the basic melody and you know the fact that it's. Aye, song. that's a, that's a one. Uh, know, one thing I, I was going to mention, um, and I, I didn't know DJ Muggs did a remix. That's right. Of this song. I know. Mm. Weird. DJ Muggs <laughs> from Cypress Hill, and 
you know, Muggs is obviously doing the doing the beat over the top, and they've, they've sampled Freddie's voice and and the bass and stuff, and it's it's really cool. Awesome, it's, man. It's, it's worthwhile checking out, man. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's crack on. Let's talk about crazy little thing. Joe, crazy little thing. Yeah. Come Again, this is one of those songs, and it uh, we kind of spoke about. It's a single, and it's kind of hard to to kind of speak about it because uh, I don't know. I love it. It's great. So I'll start by saying it is a great song, and you know I love the story behind it. How Freddie basically was <laughs> in, a, in the bubble bath. I knew that much, but I also read into it a little bit more and found out some other interesting things as well. As he was sitting in the bath with the acoustic, I think he asked somebody to pass him maybe that Peter Freestone or whatever it was who was living with him at the time. And um, he asked him, he go get me a guitar. He must have had this idea. And he sat in the bath, which we all know. But then the bit that I didn't know was he couldn't move his arms when he was in the bath. So he said, I could only, I could only play three chords. It was just like, I just, I couldn't play any other chords, so I just wrote this song on the three chords that I was only physically able to play because I was restricted <laughs> by a bath. And I thought that was excellent. That just shows you the genius in the guy, you know what I mean? He didn't think nah, it out. Hold on, I'll get out of the bath and really work in this song. He thought, nah, nah, nah I'll come and join the bath too much. Bath. Uh, in fact, you know, top it up, put some more fucking bubbles in this. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> I thought it was quite quite cool, you know. Again, showing how much a genius the guy was, you know. Take was takes three chords and you know creates an absolutely iconic song that, you know, still you know sounds great to this day. Another couple of things is uh, again John's bass playing is f- phenomenal in this song. Yeah. Like he's doing that that walking doom 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 that walking bass thing. I love that Brian May used the Telecaster as well because uh, it's just getting that absolutely undeniable Telecaster sound you know what I mean uh, and it was quite, quite cool because he, apparently you know this is obvious anyway but he was he did that to basically pay homage to those guys that played there, like Elvis Presley yeah um, like those, those, those James Martin and Scotty Moore and that yeah all those type of guys and yeah. you know he said that he, quite rightfully so he said those guys were kind of unsung guitar heroes he says because those guys were amazing guitar players and yeah. they really really were they were they were Amazing, uh, and the guy just again doing what Queen do absolutely better than anybody is taking a style and absolutely nailing it. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those songs. It's just, a, it's just a great song, man. Yeah, it's certainly a more successful uh, Elvis tribute than Dreamers Ball for me. You know, because uh, yeah. it actually sounds like something yeah. Elvis would sing. Um, because you know it's a it's a rockabilly song first and foremost, and you know, and and obviously Freddie, you know, affects his voice to sound a you know a little bit like Elvis. Um, uh, and Joe mentions the Telecaster. He also played through a different amp as well as a boogie oh, amplifier. Cool. So yeah, um, Telecaster boogie amp, uh, which was quite a quite a new amp at the time, um, uh, and it had a very very kind of biting tone. So you know the the, the bridge pick, bridge pickup in a Telecaster is a is a you know it's known as a ice pick kind of tone, and you can certainly hear that um and the selling the solo, and it you know it's it's a great song, and and another wee story is that uh, John Lennon who up to this point had you know been in exile you know just living in his flat in uh, New York, um this was one of the songs that supposedly um, inspired him to start writing songs again, start really, working yeah. again. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm sure I was going to actually get... ask you, uh, you know, Paul, you've been the Beatles nut. I was going to actually ask you about uh, that because if it was true or not, you uh, know, or... Apart, yeah, uh, apparently it is true. There's you know, Beatles historians have said, you know, certainly said that uh, it's the case, and yeah, you imagine well, Freddie, Freddie when he heard that. It's uh, whatever way you look at it. Some people might be saying, oh, for fuck, so it's Freddie's fault that fucking John Lennon started music <laughs> again, you know, or if you're, if you're, uh, if you're the winner. Well, you know, <laughs> I would agree with that. It, it didn't last very long. Some fucker nah, shot that, the guy, nah, you know. That's, that's true. Uh, that's true. But, you know, uh, it's, it, by that summer, Lennon was, you know, uh, back in the studio and and, it, and apparently it was it was crazy little thing called Love and it was Cheap Trick. Um Lennon actually looked at having Cheap Trick as his backing band as well. Really? Like, yeah. Full sale, you know. Can't you know a Cheap Trick, man. Oh, I, I do like Cheap Trick. I'm going to What's that song? It's like... All of them. That's all of them. <laughs> so imagine being Freddie and find, you know, hearing that, you know, this was one of the inspirations for, for John Lennon getting back to work, you know, aye, after a period of about five that. years. Aye, aye. Yeah, yeah, it would have just been like Mali's complete kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a, that's inspiring one of his heroes to actually make music. Yeah, like that. I, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Aye, crazy little thing. Aye, it's um, I I think the solo is excellent. I love the solo. And one thing that always annoyed me is the way he played it live. I changed the end. Bit the end. He always does. play the fucking notes. Aye, it's just. That's a small thing, but it really annoyed me. Aye, but live, aye. this song, live, this song's brilliant live because they, they can jag it up at the, the end, they behave yeah. it up at the end, you know, the ding, 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 you know, it's, and they, they kind of extend it and it's Brian Jams. It's like uh, a wee bit at the end. One of the one of the best performances is the one in the American TV, is it Saturday Night Live to do it? Oh, aye, aye. aye that's, that's superb. Danny DeVito introduces him. Danny DeVito. There was something. Uh, apparently, there was something wrong with his voice when he when he done that. When he done that. Right. I, I, you can hear it actually. See when you, li- you listen to it back, mm-hmm. you can actually hear his voice is cracking a wee bit. I think he. No, oh, it's been a while since I've uh, listened to because it, it did under pressure as well. It did under pressure and crazy little thing on that. Right. Um, I, I I think it's it's, it's just. It's just said in the mimicking of that of a style, and again, another example of Queen just absolutely getting it spot on in terms of sound. Just a just a cool tune, and um, and I think um, that that you know the the, the, the track to, to talk about next would you know make sense to talk about uh, Rocket Prime Drive next because yeah, as we all know, and I can see Joe's face. He's yes, he's kind of wait to talk about this song. This is a great track, you know, and I, yeah. I, it's it's you know the way it starts. And I think again, we talked about side one and side two a lot, you know, because we're still at that point in time where it's a cassette tape, but it's a the vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is starting off, you know, side two. Perfect opener for the new side, you know. Mm-hmm. Crazy little things just finished us off. Turned it over. Then it k- kicks in with that with arpeggio uh, guitar. And then Freddie's voice just absolutely soaring. Oh, man. And that's what yeah. you, that's that's the first time you hear Freddie. Like, uh, could, could you imagine? But again, could you imagine being a Queen fan at that time? And, you know, maybe there may be some guys that, you know, were Queen fans at this time that listened to the pod. And, you know, if you can remember... Talk to us about how you felt Freddie's voice. Did that oh, resonate with you when I you heard that for the first time? Because I think when you flipped over to side two and, and played that, you like, my God, his voice is... Because it's, cra- it's been brilliant on side one. But then you hear... Because it's isolated as well. Yeah. And then yeah. you hear this really thick... Godly, man. Rasping, 
powerful voice yeah, opening uh, up that track, you know, and goosebumps, man. Just as it's as it's absolute goosebumps. You know, there must have been a noticeable for for a Queen fan at the time going, Wow, this guy he's 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 going even further now. He's 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 going out there. Um you know, but they don't just touch your soul, man. That 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 hundred percent. It's one of the ones, you know, uh, you know, I think you guys are the same, but it's it doesn't have to be a soft or delicate song or, or anything like that or no. But it, that, that that can make me well up. Listen, listen does, to Freddie that, sing, it, it sing. Me do it today, today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just feel your eyes getting a bit watery. Yeah, you know, just yeah. just just yeah. The, the delivery. And you're right, Joe. It's as every Queen fan knows. And your power, Freddie's voice does just go right through. It does right. just it, it just gets to that party party. It overwhelms that, you. That's 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 really difficult for any other singer to do. There's other singers that did, did it to, did it for me, but not as consistently as Freddie. No. no way, no way, no way. And not in the same way either. But that yeah. opening part is just oh, absolutely brilliant. And the way it kicks in with the drums, the drums yeah. sound fantastic. Amazing. The drums, yeah. the drums. It's probably the first song in the album, or the only song possibly, where the drums really sound like they are really big. Yeah, because I've been really subdued most yep. of the album, and then they really open up. It's like they, they consciously went. Probably again, as I said, when Rogers at the Faders for his tracks, they seem to be drum wise. Yeah. They seem to be bigger. Yeah. So that's what uh, to do with it, you know. It's a, it's. It's that style he's got where he keeps the hi hat open when he's hitting the beat aye, on the stairs. And this song in particular, aye. it sounds fucking massive. You know, it's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's you know, but you know, sorry, just you know, Freddie's like you know, ripping your soul apart with his voice, you know, <laughs> and then it goes into the drums and then. <laughs> Oh. Then, the, then the first line what just like do you think they like to rock in space <laughs> you know it's just the whole fucking ridiculous they say right? you're just Aye. you're like you're, you're wiping your eyes then Roger's going Aye. do you think they like rock in space you go back to the vocal thing um, you know it's fucking incredible uh, but I love the wee bit um, just before the, the drums and that come in. Oh, Roger comes in. Uh, when Roger comes in, uh, it gets uh, down through my soul. And, uh, uh, you know, he adds, yeah. he adds uh, that wee bit in. Uh, that's fucking superb, uh, man. And then, and then it just kicks in, man. Fucking. This is one of my favourite Queen songs ever. I, I know it's probably, people are probably like, what? In fact, this is my, this is my favourite song in this album. My fuck. The album? Huh? Fucking, yeah, I, I fucking yeah. love this song, man. I, I've always loved it, man. It's like even when I was a kid, it just uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is about it. You know, just some songs. Because I, I know there's really not that not that much to it, really. <laughs> but I think it's that that opening. I was listening to it today again when I was out walking my dogs in the headphones. And that, that fucking rock and roll, uh, uh, fucking eyes started watering in the middle uh, of yeah. fucking public. Like I'm walking dogs at fucking 10 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, um, he they'd be walking past you going, oh, he's listening to Prime Drive. He's listening to Prime Drive, yeah. Like, uh, anyway, sorry, Joe, carry um, on. Aye, uh, so there are so many good things I can say about this song. Um, Roger's vocals are outstanding man the guys just get a lot of power on this song man and it's good to hear them really crank out I kind of I've, I've wrote here a, it's like a train it just kind of just it mm-hmm. just chugs away yeah. like a train it just doesn't doesn't stop yeah. um, it's so so much energy in the song man it just pumps you up um, and absolutely love Brian May's guitar solo see the very start of it but he's, he, 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 he kind of... Teases it. That's playing behind the beat. Again, that 
thing we were talking about, the attitude. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Playing, he's, playing, yeah. he's playing behind the beat, and yeah. it sounds like he's dragging the notes out. So it's like... <laughs> And then it gets to the, uh, and then it hits that, an artificial harmonic, and then he can. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because the, the word I've written for that, that's all the way it comes in. It's petulant. It's almost like petulant. Yeah, it's angry. He does that actually a lot when you listen. He does it. Um, he plays. He lags behind the beat just slightly to give it that wrenching sort of. Yeah. That wrenching vibe, but it's this. It's just this song's just get. I think I, if I was to summarise this song, it's just get fucking energy, man. It's just mm-hmm. get so. It's pure life. It's, a, it's the one song, song in the album uh, that I mentioned at the start that's actually got you know keyboard playing in it. Ah, that's the one I knew. The wee stabs. Yep, yep. Uh, other than just ah, like sound yeah, effects. Yeah, yeah. Even though this has got no. sound effects on it as well. There but. is a wee bit of... But, but there is a recognisable... There's a wee bit of that going on, man. You know? There's a recognisable, uh, you know, melody played on a synth. I know, I get it. Yeah, it's well, a bit of what going to mention, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That bit, yeah. Um, Sorry, man. It's I, I just love this song, man. <laughs> and I was looking forward to talking about it because I want to see what you guys think about it as well. I know, I think it's, it's one of the best tracks in the album. Um, is it the Fuck best? Don't know, man. I, I, I've not really thought about it, but it's it's uh, definitely one of them. And uh, it, I, I love the even the wee harmony bit. Uh, you know, at the end when they all come in, we just because it, just the song doesn't let up. And then that yep. cat comes in. It's almost like holds the, it keeps almost, building and building. It kind of almost to me sounds like cheerleaders or something. <laughs> you know, ah, at the yeah, end yeah, of yeah, it, is, yeah, yeah. you know, it's kind of weird. But it's, and, um, I love but, the I love the Roger soaring. Ah, yeah, yeah. Come on, catchy voice. Ah, it's just catchy voice. Ah, it's so good, man. So good. And I, I, I think, you know, from my point of view, you know, it's it's all been said now. But the rhythm rhythm guitar, Joe alluded to it. Um, I love the rhythm guitar again on this because again, it's just really tight and his tone's really cool as well. He never ever goes for the obvious tone, Roger, when he plays his stuff. He always goes for something that's different. Aye, and it's but it's always punchy. It's always rhythmic. It's, yeah. it's going to be rhythmical because it's Roger and he's a drummer. It makes sense, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's uh, I no, I just, I just see this album. I think this album, it's just a fun album. You know what aye. I mean? Good it's just a album, fun, it's a, good. Yeah. Just, it's just. Well, feel, okay, it maybe, sounds like they had a good time recording it. Aye, aye. They I mean, not have, but it sounds like yeah. they did. <laughs> I mean. I don't know, maybe Brian didn't get the memo when he wrote Sail Away, Sweet Sister, Save Me, but, you know, but the rest of the tracks are, you know, you know are all... <laughs> no, it's, it, to me, it's an album that sounds, oh. It just sounds as if they were all in the same ballpark. Aye, aye. aye. You know, it's got... It, yeah. Has it got maybe... It, it, it's not... It's not a, a large piece by any means, but Brian's solo, is that, is that the fastest solo he's ever done? What, in Prime Guy? Aye, that... No, just that, just that wee lick. Is because he's doing he's doing it's a different it's, style. It's he's just really fast, you know. He's doing hammer on the pull offs, which he uh, doesn't normally do that much. He does, yeah, actually, yeah. He does, and he does that's that cascading like, thing normally, but he doesn't. That's do no his style. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he, I, he's probably the same. He's yeah, been influenced he, by the Van Halen and all that, you know. I know that it's interesting you say that because in some of the the licks on this. That's exactly who I think he. Yeah, Van yeah, Halen. yeah. It's because yeah. he's actually, and I think that this is one of the songs there you can hear. Yeah. I think there's possibly. I think know, I don't know if they became friends I, at this time. You know, I, 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 I think it was like a couple of two years later or something. Well, yeah, 
Did you know me, Eddie Van Halen, this, you know, the News and World Tour or something like that? You know, right, it was okay. quite early on. Um, possibly. But, uh, yeah, yeah you, you can certainly... Uh, I, I think the, the, the first Van Halen record, which came out, what, 78, was, was like an atomic bomb. Yeah. 77, maybe early yeah. 78. It was like a fucking atomic bomb. And, you know, in terms uh, of guitar playing. Uh, in terms of guitar playing. Every, everybody took notice, you know. and you know, nah, the, uh, guy was, the guy was a total... It was a different thing completely. Uh, different yeah. Halen. Yeah. Uh, I think he was cut for the same cloth as Brian May, Eddie Van Halen. For uh, it. Look, look, it was, it was still about the song. Exactly. De- de- uh, I mean, depends what you feel about Van Halen. You might like them, you might not. But I think what you can't underestimate is they had an ear for melody. Is Eddie Van Halen. He wasn't he yep. just a just a shredder and that was it. Yep. You know, he, 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 and uh, he's, a, a, he's a music guy. Yeah, exactly. he, he was a, he, a, an accomplished piano player as well, a bit like Brian. You know, he was right, very uh, much cut yeah. for the same cloth as Brian. You know, um, so. I suppose the only other thing I would say you're saying is that the fastest thing Brian May's done. I suppose the start of give me the price. You know, he's doing the fret. Oh yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of how many notes per second and all that, that may be the yeah. fastest thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I do. Uh, 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 oh, you definitely must you be. Know, right. You know, could be that. Who gives a fuck ultimately, you know, it's not that important, but you know, I mean, it's like, cool, <laughs> exactly, mate. As long as it sounds cool, Aye. um, just two more, I think. Need your loving, need your, and save need me. your loving and save me, right? Let's go with uh, need your loving, right? Paul, I'll come back here. You, you start us off. We need, need your loving, um, I, I might not be alone here, but um, when I bought this LP, I thought that my LP was faulty just because of the abrupt way this starts. It just kind of, you know, it just, it's as if it's in the middle of a, a, a beat. So I'm thinking, fuck, there's, you know, there's a problem with my... Jumped, uh, I know it jumped. Aye, uh, aye, <laughs> or, you know, the, a wee skip somewhere. Just the way it starts, you know. Uh, but, you know, my vinyl wasn't faulty, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> this is a great wee song, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a John song. Um you know, as I said at the start, as a North American territory single material, mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe Rocket are coming soon would have been better. I don't know. It's kind of got that kind of, like I say, the, you know, the, aye, the sound that was aye. pioneered in America, which is the Rocket, but it's got that Rockabilly sound again, and that was pioneered in America. Aye, so, aye. you know, I, I would, yeah. it probably sounds more American than it does definitely you know, English, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cool wee song, man. Uh, there's, you know, uh, there's not much I can say. You know, uh, it's got a cool hook and all that. Um, just like every song in this album, you know, it's just laden with hooks. It's a, uh, you know, as David said at the start, it's a, it's a very conventional album in terms of, you know, the songwriting. It's just, you know, verse chorus kind of thing. Um, and, and this band just show that they'll give them anything, progressive rock, metal, whatever, they'll fucking knock it out of the park. Um, they, they, they do again in this album this is a cool wee song you know if someone had a gun in my head and said you know you have to pick a weak track or whatever or a track you know um, that you, ca- you care the least about I would possibly say this one but I would say don't try suicide right okay nice. uh, I still like it uh, yeah, I'm the same with this one. I still like it, you know. Uh, ah, you could you could file. You, sorry, Paul, but you, I suppose you could file. Don't try suicide under the kind of novelty song. 
so that's I mean, so that I, that may be why you would maybe put it as a maybe one of the weaker ones. I, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not there's not a lot I can really say about um, this this track really. For, sorry, for for being a Deacon song, um, this is one of the ones where the bass isn't it? It's prominent. That's um, <laughs> true. Aye, good point. You know, it's, it's kind of just kind of buried in a kind of conventional kind of song, you know, rather than uh, whereas his bass is all over the rest of the album. Uh, but yeah, cool, cool wee song. I, I, I this is it's weird how you're, you're kind of maybe putting it. You're not putting it down in terms of but in terms of the pecking order of great tracks on this album. No, that's maybe yeah. not. It's high up with some of them. I, I, this is one of my favourites. <laughs> I love yeah. this song. I love this song. I know, man. Good, man. <laughs> um, it's, You're fucking it's, wrong, but you know. No, I'm definitely not, man. Um, <laughs> again, the melody's brilliant, man. John has got a, such a talent for writing melodies. Brilliant talent for writing catchy melodies. And this is this is, this is the same. You know, the way even... I, I like the way it, the chorus kind of starts when at the end of the verse... You know, ooh, I need your love tonight. It stops. I like that cover because it, it doesn't just that. stop and then say, you know, yeah. you know, aye. break down. It, it, it's part of the verse almost, and so it leads into the. So that to me, that's even just a clever wee mm. thing that he's, he's done there as well. I just think it's a really catchy, really. It's one of the kind of smile, you know, puts a, a smile on your face, and and I love the I love the sound of the drums, even when they when they when they put that kind of reverb thing over the snare when it goes you know they get that really kind of so there's a cool some cool wee studio techniques in that in this song as well mm-hmm. um i just no i just i just it's one of those songs that goes right in like you say paul goes right in and yeah. it just does that it's, it's a very short yeah. song about two and a half minutes or something, Aye, minutes, something yeah like, it's very short, it's right, really yeah. short. and I, I don't think there's any fat in the song at all it just just does what it needs to do and gets the fuck, you know, you know, and then uh, that sums this whole album up for me. Yeah, I, swear, yeah, yeah. No, no fat whatsoever on this album. And I, I think that's interesting, you know, that we're saying this because you know how much we we love Queen for their big production, no big production necessarily, but their big uh, compositions. They yeah. get big compositions, right. and the, and the, and, the, and even even at times their pomposity and stuff. You know, that's mm-hmm. stuff that we you know that we that we recognise Queen for and. But we're here talking about one of Queen's more simple albums as being one of one of the best. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's always about the tunes. It's not about how complex a song is. It's not about how. Definitely. And I think we all, all agree on that. You know, it's yeah, just absolutely. It's just, it's just, and, and I think that's just where it's it's kind of they've got. Like I said, you know, at the start, you know, I think they did take a risk because this is a very very simple. They've taken a risk. It's a very simple album, but the risk is is actually paid off because it was obviously a, a massive commercial success. But. You know, I wonder. You know, I wonder coming back to the fan that, that had followed the band. You know, maybe they they bought, bought jazz and thought jazz. They maybe dropped the ball a wee bit in jazz, and then they listened to this, and it's a change up in sound. I wonder how maybe that first listen sounded to to, to the, the Queen fan at that time. They might be thinking, you know, maybe fighting against like that, maybe because it, you know it, it, it's a shift that'd be interesting if you know what Queen fans you know a Queen fan that'd be following them since opera or something. You know, it'd be mm-hmm. interesting because I thought I could see. Maybe somebody wrestling with us for, for for the first list, thinking, yeah, these songs are catchy as fuck and all that. But uh, is that then now a pop band now? You know, uh, like, I, I I could understand that. Can uh, I say, even though there's a lot of kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily just pure pop songs. There's a lot of kind of really gritty shit on it. You know, but it's I think yeah, that, I mean, it's I, just I, interesting. Yeah, I think that that's been alluded to in you know, uh, you know, people speaking about this album. You know, a lot of Queen fact. This is where a lot of Queen fans, you know. 
parted ways with them. Oh, you know, right. Uh, this was a kind of watershed. It was like, come with us or, you know. I can bye-bye. see that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is the first Queen record where you can dance to nearly every song. Yeah, yeah. Aye. Nah. Like nearly, uh, but besides yeah. besides save me, if you could probably do a kind of slow dance to save me until it gets to get a heavy guitar uh, guitar solo. Sweet sister, but the rest of it's you can. Aye, dance, a nice, can dance a nice slow it. dance at the end of the night. Aye, but you know what I mean, though. I mean, how would you dance to that bit and play the game, though? Did 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 did. That's weird, grand. Like try to dance to Dillinger or something. Aye, exactly. Big shout out to Dillinger Escape Plan. Absolutely, <laughs> um, uh, but, but no, I, I think it's a, just a, I, again, I, you know, just always like to kind of think back to looking back in these albums from so many decades after the fact. You know, it's just it's just interesting to try and put yourself in the mindset of a Queen fan at the time. You know, but um, oh, forty fucking years ago, man. <laughs> Aye, man. <laughs> I was, we were one, David. Aye. <laughs> I remember this album well, man. I was right next to my Aye. cot, uh, you know, that's, playing that's it all the time. We were eating rusks. <laughs> Anything else to add in the mix here, uh, Joe, just uh, before we finish off? And, uh, uh, again, it's just, again, it's just the same, exactly the same stuff, man. It's like, uh, I I don't know, man, Queen, Queen to me, especially in songs like this and Crazy Little Thing called, in fact, a lot of the songs in this, it's like, they were obviously listening to a lot of rock and roll, man, because a lot of these songs, this is Queen's rock and roll album to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a rock and roll album. Yep. I mean, yep. where, a couple, where a couple of functions fired in. But, um, um, and you know uh, it was prevalent at the time you know there was a lot of bands stripping things down and you know punk that's what punk is it's 50s rock and roll yeah I speed it up yeah, speed true. it up yeah. that's, what, that's literally what it is it's, yeah. it's uh, same core progressions and John, uh, Johnny Be Good yeah. played, played through a Marshall you know that is I totally uh, 100% I, that's why you get a lot of punks that are into Elvis and stuff yeah like absolutely it's, right, it's uh, rock and roll because they can recognise the, the vibe yeah. I connect um, but I think that's it. I mean, these these are. I think there is a back to basics kind of thing on this album happening clearly. Yeah. And uh, because it, as we said in the first pod, Queen weren't young when the the first album came out. They were in the late twenties. Uh, twenty seven somewhere about there. Ah, uh, you know. So Freddie forty six. He was born. So I uh, it's twenty seven when the first album came out. You know, it's it's aye. Uh, it, so you know they were they were growing up and turning into teenagers when this stuff was. You know that rockabilly sound was happening, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's obviously been part of their, their teenage years, and and so they're getting back to a time where they're maybe getting back to a time that's, yeah. that's familiar to and them growing up. And it's weird that if they've, they've, it's weird that they didn't just do that with one song like they would have done in previous mm-hmm. records. They've actually took a big chunk of their new record and based it on that. Yeah, that that vibe. Yeah, that vibe. And, and, and of course, live. They, they did they did the rock and roll medley live. You know, they did. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't keen on that. J- Jailhouse Rock. I'm a man with old Diddley and all that kind of stuff, you know. I didn't know they, that. I, you know, it was um, it was when uh, Michael Legs on Twitter shared the set list from the Apollo in 1977. Aye, uh-huh. I, I didn't actually realise they'd done I'm a man. I, I, I had no idea till that I looked at the set list because that's a cool song, you know, and that, that's cool, more man. interesting to me than the Jailhouse Rock uh, and Big Spender and all that. You know, I, I like I heard that, you know. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's a bootleg out there somewhere. I could probably check it out, but. I think it's just one of those albums that they've tested a lot of fans, you know? Because the band had already stripped it down with News of the World, and then I think they were caught in two minds, maybe with jazz a wee bit. They were kind of like... Somewhere between. You know, but do we we keep going in this vein, or do we... 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I, th- I think I see, like I said, with Sheer Art Attack and, and News of the World, I almost see those two as reaction albums almost a wee bit. You know, Sheer Art Attack's a reaction to, to, the, to maybe that pomposity yep. and, 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 and ah, like, okay, ah, maybe, the and, and News of the World's a reaction to maybe what was happening at the time, you know, they yeah. stripped the sound back and, okay, Brian said they were already going to do that anyway, fair enough. And I think maybe this is another kind of, yeah, what you know let's, let's, because again, another, another thing about this album is, ain't a lot of harmonies on this either. No, there's not a lot of harmonies on this album at all, much like uh, News of the World. Uh, yeah. And and I think yeah, it's a good point you're saying, Paul, uh, with jazz, because maybe they were caught in a... What do we do? Because yeah, it seems like it's got yeah. the, the grandiosity and the pomposity that you're used to hearing from Queen, but in other ways it's not. It's stripped back. Yeah, and, ah, yeah. possibly. Whereas possibly. in this record, it's, it's, it's pretty evident that it's stripped almost completely yeah. away. And, uh, and the production's confused in jazz as well. It's just... Uh, it's, it's the government, right? I think. I think yeah. what what Queen did is well, probably <laughs> we're probably summarising too early in the pod, but saw that I think they probably they they probably recognised that jazz was a you know they, they had to do something something um, they had to get it right, and you know in the yeah. next album, and I think I think that's the, they probably um, I don't know if they, they thought we had to get it right, maybe in a commercial sense, maybe because if we go. If we go more commercial, then we're going to get people that aren't necessarily even Queen fans buying the album, then it'll be a success. So we're not necessarily trying to appease Queen fans, we're just trying to get a big selling album here. And I don't yeah. mean that was their, that was their MO going in or anything, but um, I think there was certainly a conscious effort to, to maybe appeal to a bigger audience, maybe. Um, you know, same with Metallica and the Black Album, as much as they would, they would argue, no, we just went in and just wanted to make it basic, stripped down. You were chasing fans as well. Don't don't pretend otherwise, yep. you know. And and that's not wrong as long as the, what you're doing is not. The music the still needs can, to be good. Exactly, the music has to be good, and as long as you're not compromising your sound to to a point where you're unrecognisable. You chasing the money, yeah, and it's obvious you're chasing the money. You know, as, yeah. as as many bands have done and done it really blatantly. There was just a bit, of, you know, the whole thing about you know this this record being. A lot different, basically, from previous records, and is very noticeable. But I, I see a correlation between a lot of bands that of uh, you know that came out around about the same time that did ex- almost exactly the same thing as Queen did, or uh, uh, exactly the same period around about nineteen eighty. Uh, Judas Priest did it as well. Um, yeah, Black Sabbath changed their sound drastically. Yep. So everybody, it seems like, uh, like you know, a lot of these big bands... And Rush, as we mentioned. Uh, uh, Rush did it as well with Moving Pictures, yeah. exactly. They did exactly yeah. the same thing. So there must have been... I think maybe at this point in, in these bands' careers, they've been about long enough that they were seeing a new influx of music. Because I know... Uh, I don't want to go too off topic about Queen, because it's about Queen, but I know Rush well, were getting really influenced by like uh, the police and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, and I think... Uh, the uh, new wave going, bands. Yep, yeah, the new yeah. wave bands. And I think... Uh. I, I think that's probably what it was. I think these bands had been about so long that they were seeing these this this new kind of not trend because obviously there's there was loads of different types of bands you know about at that time. But I think everybody had been about long enough that that point that they thought right we kind of need to, there's a market. The MTV thing was just starting to really be a thing and kick off in the early eighties and stuff. And I think that also could have triggered the mindset of there's this other medium that we can. If we maybe write slightly more palatable songs, there's there's, there's more scope to uh, to to, to, to I reach big, other audiences. Uh, exactly, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, music videos were becoming more you know more of a thing. So I think uh, we've got one one track uh, left, and the track that closes the album is "Save Me." 
I'll start things off here and save me. Um, save me is well, again one of Brian's best tunes. It, it's a song that's um, it, you know we you know again I talked about not having a, a vocabulary to, 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 to describe Brian's songs, but again that's just like a sad song again, but it's kind of a rock tune. Like a rock, if you want to call it a rock ballad, yep. fair enough. I'll, yep. I'll not argue with you, but it's it's almost like he's he's instead of making it, you know, that stripped down vibe, like "Sail Away, Sweet Sister" or something like. That. Do you know what? I'll maybe make this more of a rock tune and more, you know, yeah. um, you know, more more than that kind of vein. And I think that's all the better for it, and especially getting Freddie to sing it, obviously as well, because Freddie sounds fantastic on this this song. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics as well, the lyrics have actually certain lines in the song that's actually resonated with me through my entire life. There's certain things going on yeah, in my life that totally. I've, that I've mm-hmm. summed up my life at that point, if you know what I mean. No, totally, me um, as well. Yep. Uh, so it's so been in a relationship then, I found hey, it. Exactly, man. Hey, exactly. When, when you've loved and lost like Brian has, you know, <laughs> you'll know what life's all about. Very true. <laughs> Fucking limeys. <laughs> <laughs> Lack of respect for Big Frank. Big Frank. <laughs> Do you get the part when he's there with Sammy and he sees Frank? Aye, so the, the song itself just, it, again, melodically it's brilliant. I think I think dynamically it's brilliant. You know, it, it seems to dip down a lot, but not just the first chorus, first chorus, which is obvious, but it does dip down and even the solo, the, Almost kind of fake solo with the the kind of the acoustic. It's almost like a a, a break, but and then you've got the the, the then you've Harmonize. got the, the oh. harmonised bit, and then you've got the solo. There's Aye. a lot of really cool Aye. orchestration Aye. on it, you know, in terms Aye. of you know you know dynamics and 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 I think live, even when they do it live, although they can't capture absolutely everything that's going on in the song in the studio, they still manage to absolutely nail it live and, and mm. make it sound fucking brilliant. Yeah, um, it's 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 brilliant. It's just a brilliant track. I love the piano, love Freddie's voice, and and you can actually feel Freddie's pain. You can feel Brian's pain because he wrote the thing in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's a. I'm struggling to find anything more to say on it. It's a, it's a beautiful song, mm-hmm. one of Brian's best, and mm-hmm. maybe a strange way to end an album of this kind. You know, given it's it's ending in a kind of on a bit of a down, downer, downer. Mate, maybe. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it ruins the album ending it with that. No. Maybe that's you know maybe maybe you could have ended on a coming soon or something or something like that just to take it out and and so you end the album with a yes. I, I don't know. Just a thought. It's not anything yeah. that particularly bothers me, but just a thought. But great track. Seriously, one of the best Queen tracks. To me, uh, I uh, one of my favourite Queen songs. Definitely a beautiful song. And it's kind of looking at the album as a whole. It, it, to me, this book ends the album with uh, with "Play the Game" in the sense that "Play the Game" in this song sounds like they're harking back to the old style, and they're almost like companion pieces to me. Although yep. I know Freddie wrote, you know, "Play the Game" and Brian wrote "Save Me," but they're the the two songs that sound like old school Queen. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the album doesn't kind of really yeah, sound like old school the, the queens. Guitar harmonies and, all, yeah. Yeah. and I think that's really, really, really smart in the, in, on their behalf because it, it's, they give you the start and it's like, oh, that's the queen that we kind of know. Then there's the crazy experimentation with different styles in the middle. And then it ends on something you, you're familiar with again, the, you know, the, the traditional queen sound. 
and that's really smart because it gives that wee bit of, if you were a bit apprehensive of the record and then that song finishes it, you'd be like, ah, right, okay, they've still, they've left me with something that, you know, is what I would say. That's one way of looking at it. it, The core Queen sound. Uh, And that's not taking anything away, obviously, from the the tracks that are on the album, because, like, we all agree, it's one of of our favourite, collectively, one of our favourite Queen records. You've covered a lot of it, David, you know, the vocals are amazing, you know, Brian's playing's great. And apparently, Brian wrote it about a friend of his that, um, I take it was a friend, you know, a, a woman and a man who he knew who were together for a long time and then they split, they divorced. And he actually wrote the song apparently about that. I can imagine, like, if, you know, you've known somebody being together that long and then you've they split, that would be upsetting for you. It would be upsetting for me as well. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. To a degree, I, I think that's cool. You know, he's obviously kind of seen somebody, two people that he really cared about and, you know, what he thought was something strong. And uh, it, it obviously, it kind of, Maybe reaffirmed for him that you know that you know love is love is fragile. That's a pure stupid. Ah, like, well, so it's like the name of a song. Uh, but you know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. It's like he thought it was they, they were a solid thing, and then they they split. So I like that about it as well. You know, he took took. He's an observation more than maybe a you know a personal experience. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a just a fantastic song. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've literally loved this song two times over in my life, uh, you know, um, so that, you know, it, it's a beautiful song without all that, but yeah, this, this song's had me in, in floods of tears and stuff like that in, in the past. I'm mm-hmm. not ashamed to say it. It's a not fucking unbelievable song. The thing about it is, you know, I, I always regarded this, I, I, I'm a, I absolutely fucking love um, 80s power ballads. And I'm, you know, it's not it's a guilty pleasure because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking guilty about it. I love fucking power ballads. I, I always had this, I always had this down as being like the first proper power ballad, you know, soft, loud, you without know. being cheesy, aye. Yeah, um, but you know, having researched that a wee bit, it's probably Dream On by Aerosmith, which came out in '73. That's probably uh, fair one. enough. I can ah, get that. Yeah, good song um, as well, man. But you know. You know, um, all, all those guys and those hair bands in, in the 80s, you know, God bless them. You know, I'm sure they had saved me in mind when they were writing their, you know, their, their, you know those cheesy ballads that, you know, got the girls to buy their, their LPs and come to their, their concerts and all that. Um, yeah, and in no way am I, I've just realised I'm probably cheapening this song by, you know... <laughs> Comparing it to fucking no, think, 80s power ballads. Uh, but I, 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 all those yeah. bands, all those bands were, were massive Queen fans, though. They of course were, they were. And, and, you of know, they all, were. The, all the big lipstick yeah. and the, the big hair, they were all big yeah. Queen fans, you know. They, yeah. So of course it's, they were. Not, it's, it's not implausible. I mean, I, I, I could fucking well up the now just thinking about this song, man. It's fucking beautiful. Um, Freddie just sings it so fucking beautifully. Um, and, uh, you know, like you guys say, it's a it's a harkening back to the old Queen sound, which is always good, and and they kind of do it in every album, really, you know, um, ah, yeah. to a, you know yeah, to a certain great. extent, you know, even on the medical, you you've got the you know vocal harmonies that start to break through and all that kind of stuff. There, there's always a wee bit, and you know, um, somewhere, you know, and uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, 
like a lot of Queen songs, man, I, I've, been, I've not got the fucking words. I've not got the intelligence or the capacity to fucking describe how fucking amazing it is, you know. But yeah, I, I, I quite so, like so what, this song. Are you, are you saying that we might as well just end it here, man, because we, we can't find words to describe these songs? Yeah, I, <laughs> we might I, as well just fucking finish now. We're repeating ourselves that fucking much. We've used we'll move, great melancholy we'll fucking. fucking Aye, so um, Save Me finishes the album. I think we all agree it's it's, it's an absolute blistering song. It's a beautiful song. And I, I'm, I'm struggling as well to find the, find the words to sum it up. But I think everybody out there that knows the song will know exactly what I'm talking and about. I, and of course, you know, the, video, the video is the first ever music video to feature animation as well. Animation, aye. It's a really, off. really... It's a lovely video as well. Ah, it's beautiful. Aye. It's just aye. a performance video, but the, but the animation really adds to it. The animation, it, you know, that, that's, that's and what and I'm and talking about. And then with Freddie with the Dove. It's aye, cool. Dove and and all, all the outtakes. Aye, they should have. He's fucking shit. Right. That. <laughs> <laughs> he's laughing that's at right. Aye, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> but no, so that's the album. That is the game. Um, finished up. Um, I don't think um, I need... Yeah, I, you know, normally we'll, we'll sum this album up at the end, all three of us individually. I don't think we're really going to need that now because I think we've discussed everything and probably said everything we need to say about this album. And I think we'd just be repeating ourselves. Um, but nevertheless, I will get some final words from you, gents. So give me a sentence to describe this album for you, Paul. It's fucking great. You definitely need that thesaurus, mate. So, all right, Neville. I, I definitely <laughs> do, man. <laughs> um, Joe. Pure. It's just pure. <laughs> there's, uh, what? Uh, shape? There's, there's no, Uncut. There's no. There's, there's no. There's no. There's no Ajax being mixed nah, in there. It's just nah, pure 100% China white, mate. 100% China white. Um, <laughs> you know. It'll suck your money out your bank. It'll make your penis disappear. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's just albums. It's amazing, amazing album. I love it. I love everything. I pretty much love everything on it. Which is, again, I mean, I, I just, I like Paul. I just, I need to get the, the dictionary out and start coming up with new things to say. Because, yeah. um, it's, it's excellent, man. It's, it's definitely in the top three for me, one hundred percent. Fantastic album. Love it. So that's the game. That's it. I'm not going to say any more. Uh, thanks, gents. Um, I think it's been it's been good fun, um, and I and I think it's um, I think we've maybe delved into the songs a bit more than I thought we were going in terms of instrumentation and structure and all that because on the face of it, it sounds quite a you know a simple album in many ways, and not a lot of instrumentation is, is that we're used to from Queen. But nevertheless, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this album, and and I think we've discussed that at, at length, and it's great. So we're going to tackle Flash next, which was actually recorded in the same year. That's interesting because they finished up the sessions for this and they were, they were oh, I think they were already actually writing some of it during the game as well, some of the Flash stuff. All right, so cool. it's really interesting. It's really interesting that two totally different vibes, you know, and in terms of totally, style totally. and then, you know, and um, I'll edit this out if I actually look back and realise I've got my, my timelines <laughs> on it next up here, but I'm f- fairly sure they were. Um, so, yeah, but the next album we're going to talk about is Flash, and there's maybe one or two people out there thinking I'm not going to bother listening to that podcast because why would I? That's fair enough. That's okay, but I think it's a legitimate album and it's worthwhile talking about. 
and mm-hmm. the, the gents the gents agree on that one. Yep. A lot of interesting things going on. A lot of really interesting influences. You know that thing that you know that, that this album influenced um, after the fact as well. Um, and yeah, just again as I've said, the, the, the taking the synths and really started to, to to master them. I feel on on this album um, because there's not a lot of vocals on it as we all know. So worthwhile talking about. But nevertheless, we'll talk more about that um, when it gets to the time um, the next podcast and flash. But no, I would I would encourage you if you're not that familiar with the album to give it a shot and please listen to the podcast because I think you'll you'll maybe maybe think about it differently after the podcast. So yeah, thanks very much for listening as ever. So uh, Paul, cheers! Uh, thanks for for listening, everybody. Catch us on uh, at Lap Pods on uh, Twitter and we're also on Facebook. Just search for in the Lap of Pods. Um, we love to hear from you. We're be, we've been getting some great feedback recently, um, so keep it coming, man. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Joe? Just again, thought of what Paul said. I really appreciate everybody that's got in touch with us on Twitter and various other uh, things, uh, you know, showing some showing some love, and it's, it's cool because I, I do believe that um, from what I've read from some folk... Um, they're delving into these albums after listening to us talk shit about them, um, <laughs> um, and and finding new things, which is, you know, what I think what all three is we're kind of hoping to achieve, you know. To so in that respect, thanks very much, and uh, really appreciate your listening, and I hope you continue to keep listening to us talk shit. Fantastic, yeah. Let the shit flow. Um, so thanks again for everybody, and and we'll catch you on the Flash Gordon podcast. Goodbye.